Bible says this about Jesus. Everywhere that he went, he did good. He never did bad. He always did good. And then it also says healing or delivering everybody who was oppressed by Satan. That verse lets us know there's a real savior, a real deliverer, and there's a real devil. And everywhere Jesus went, he homed in on people the devil was treating harshly, that Satan was tormenting, whose lives were in bondage and in chains, because that's what the devil always does. He steals freedom, he binds us, he torments, and Jesus came to set us free. And Satan was always deathly afraid of Jesus Christ. So today I want to talk to you about yet more people that Jesus touched. You know why? Because we're just like them. The Bible tells us about real people. People are the same anywhere you go, anywhere in the world, and anywhere in history. People are exactly the same. We see that Jesus healed the tormented and healed the sick. He answered questions they couldn't answer on their own. He deposited wisdom and strength. And today we're going to meet 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you how bad that leprosy really was so we can understand what happened to these men. But let's read about it. Luke 17, verse 12. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. And they were crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, everybody say, as they went, they were cleansed or healed of their leprosy. One of them, what, just one? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. He wasn't even Jewish. Jesus asked, wait a minute, didn't I heal 10 people? This is one of the most haunting questions in the Bible. Where are the other nine? Has nobody returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this Gentile, who's not even in the covenants? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Isn't that a beautiful story? Lord, thank you for your word today. Help us, Lord, to learn, starting with myself, to be more thankful, to think to thank, to remember to thank. And we just thank you right now for helping us to understand this word in Jesus' name and helping us this year to be more thankful than last year. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm thankful. Amen. Now, this is the story of 10 lepers that Jesus touched and healed. He went about everywhere doing good, healing all those who were being treated harshly by the devil, and leprosy is certainly harsh. Now, I want to look at this story today because it's Thanksgiving week, and only one of the 10 lepers returned to give thanks. That's just a mind blower, especially when I tell you what they were up against. So nine of the 10 didn't think to thank. And that's really the crux of the story. Now, to better understand the incredible thing that Jesus did for these men, I got to tell you the truth. 
about leprosy. It's not pretty, but I got to tell you the truth about it because we need to understand what Christ did for these 10 men and only one of them returned to say thank you. Here it is. The word leprosy means to strike or to be smitten or to receive a bruising blow. That's what the name means. The Jews of Jesus' day believed that leprosy was God striking or punishing the afflicted person. So, so immediately, if you got leprosy, you were ostracized from the Jewish community because they looked at you as being under the judgment of God, though that wasn't true. That's the way they saw it. So you were all immediately stigmatized. But that's just the start because the disease, the disease itself was terrible. It began with specks on the eyelids and the palms. It gradually spread over the whole body, bleaching your hair white and crusting the affected parts with white scales, causing terrible sores and swelling. We remember that when Miriam was struck with leprosy after criticizing Moses, uh, her skin was white. That's what it's describing, the white scales. From the skin, the disease ate inward to the bones, and it rotted the whole body piece by piece. From the skin, it ate inward. When you learned that you were a leper, you knew that eventually, maybe even some of your limbs were going to fall off. It was a fatal disease. It was a terminal diagnosis. And it was the terror of Jesus' day because of the horrible condition that it placed you in. So you were slowly but surely daily dying. You had no fellowship but other lepers. That's why they called it Jesus from a distance because the, the Mosaic law would not let them come near anybody that was not a leper. So all that you could hang with was other people experiencing the same slow death process. It's not anything you ever wanted to hear. Today, we never want to hear the C word. Then you never wanted to hear the L word. You never wanted to hear you're a leper. And in the Bible, leprosy was also often used as a picture of sin. Just as leprosy invaded every part of a person's body and was finally fatal, so sin has invaded every part of humanity and has killed everybody spiritually that doesn't turn to Christ. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Present active indicative in the Greek language there, it means we all are continually sinning and continually falling short of the glory of God. It's not just one time, but no, every day we need a savior because every day we're inclined towards sin. We're born to trouble as the sparks fly upward, Job said. So leprosy was looked at as a, as a physical example of spiritual sin. A great example of the leprosy of sin is found in Isaiah chapter one, verses five and six. He says, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is nothing sound in it. Now he's talking about sin, not leprosy, sin. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. 
Isaiah is describing the sinful condition of the culture that has come under the judgment of God. And he's saying, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. There's not one part of this culture that has not been impacted and corrupted by sin. And that's exactly where our culture is right now, the American culture right now. We could say the same thing. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot to the head, there's nothing sound in the American culture right now except the believers that live in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. In other words, we need help. We need a savior. And that was Isaiah's point. And as there was no human cure for physical leprosy, there was no human earthly cure for the leprosy of sin until Jesus Christ our Lord died on the cross and spilled his blood for our sins. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. There is no other solution, no other prescription, no other answer. There is no other way out of the sin condition but the cross of Christ. And the 10 lepers knew that their physical condition was hopeless. And so no doctor, no priest, no pastor could help them. Only God could cure their leprosy because they were, they were as good as dead without the touch of God. And so are we without the touch of the Savior. Can I have an amen? So are we without the touch of the Savior. We need a Savior. We need the Savior, the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. Muhammad didn't die for you and me. Uh, Buddha didn't die for you and me. None of the thousand plus gods of the Hindu religion died for us. Only one in all of history died on the cross. And that was ground zero in the battle against sin. So when these, these 10 lepers who were terminal saw Jesus, all they could think to say is, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on us. Lord, we don't deserve it, but we need your mercy. And the first thing we, we note in, in their prayer, because it was a prayer, Jesus heard their cry. This is encouraging to me because the Bible says he looked at them. He looked their way. He turned his attention their way. And that is such a blessing. Just like blind Bartimaeus, it reminds me of last week's message. What did he do? When he heard Jesus was, was passing by, what did he cry out? Have mercy on me. And it says Jesus stood still and said, bring him to me. And blind Bartimaeus made his way to Jesus and here the same thing. He looked at them. But he dealt with them differently than he did blind Bartimaeus. He called Bartimaeus to himself. But Jesus answered them with a command. He gave them a word to walk on. He gave them a word to obey. And we're going to see that that's what happens every time. Whenever we need God to do something, to break through for us, to answer a prayer for us, we must exercise faith. And, and step out on the word, on the word. The Bible says that through faith and promises, uh, or faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Through faith mixed with patience, we inherit the promises of God. But how do we inherit them? By faith and by waiting in faith on God to move. Jesus said something. He said, here's what you do. He told them, they're still at a distance. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now he did this per the command of Moses. 
Because Moses had said, and it's in Leviticus, that if, that if you're a leper and you have been healed or cleansed, you've got to show yourself to the priests because the priests are going to inform the public that you're clean so you can enter back into society. So Jesus knew something. He said he knew that between himself and their journey to the priests, they were going to be healed. They weren't healed when he said it. When he said, go show yourself to the priest, they were still covered in leprosy. But Jesus knew something was going to happen between point A and point B. So Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest because you're about to be healed and you're going to enter back into society. I have not only healed your body, but I have healed, I have healed your relationships. Again, I want you to stop and think of every person Jesus touched that we've studied so far in this series on the people Jesus touched. Stop and think about every one of them. They all had to exercise faith in a word, in the word, the word that Jesus spoke to them. The man with a withered hand, he's got it here. He's hiding it. He's ashamed of it. It's the one thing in his life that he can't do anything about. It's robbed him of being able to work, being able to function. It's probably reduced him to begging. And he's got it, no doubt, hidden in the synagogue. And Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Well, I don't want to, Lord. Everybody will see it. Jesus said, I'm giving you a word to walk on. I'm giving you a word to obey. And when he stretched out his hand, when he, when he stretched out his hand, and by doing that stretched his faith, it was healed. The woman with the issue of blood, by faith in what she had heard about Jesus, that he was a healer. She pressed through the crowd to get to him and stretched her faith, and she was healed. Blind Bartimaeus ordered to get up and walk towards Jesus when he's still blind, but he had to feel his way to Jesus. He had to step out on a word from God. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Faith doesn't sit there. Faith is a verb. Faith acts. Faith puts steps to your feet. It puts words in your mouth. It puts action in your life. James said, faith without action is dead. So these 10 lepers were commanded to do something that I, that I, I assure you, it didn't make sense to them because they looked at themselves and said, well, we're still covered with leprosy. What are we going to tell the priests? We're still covered in leprosy. What can we say to them? We can't go to them and say we're cleansed because we're not. They had to find out the principle of faith. That is, as you obey the word of God, as you obey the word of God, that's what releases the answer. And obedience can manifest in a million different ways. He may tell you to pray about something. Well, praying about it is stretching your faith. Or he may tell you to call somebody and make things right with them. And until you call them and make things right with them, there's something held up in your life and God's waiting for you to obey. The Bible says, I love these three words, as they went. I love that. You notice they weren't just standing there when they got healed, were they? Hello, everybody. Were they just standing there? No. Do, do you see them in a leper's huddle saying, what do you think about that command? I don't know about going to the priest. Why are we going to go to the priest when we're not even healed yet? No, they didn't get into a leper's huddle. No. What did they do? They said, what have we got to lose? He told us to go to the priest. And I love it. As they went. 
walking. They weren't just walking to see the priest. They were walking on the word. They were walking on the, the word that Jesus told them to obey. And when were they healed? Standing there? No, they were healed as they went, as they obeyed, as they submitted to the lordship of Christ. The answer came. We don't know how far the walk was, and we don't know uh, how long they walked, and we don't know where along the walk the healing happened. I, I'm only going to guess. I think about the halfway point. I think when they first started walking, they're still lepers, and they're going, well, we're just walking on the word. We don't see anything yet, but we're just walking on the word. We don't see it yet. It's not manifested. We're just walking on the word. When we get to the priest, we're just going to look at him funny unless something has happened. And about halfway along the way, suddenly this horrible disease, the white skin, the flakes, the sores, the, the, the hair, suddenly their skin became like a baby. And they looked at each other and sized each other up and said, hey, you're healed. Hey, I'm healed. Woohoo! And they went to the priest. But, but here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Only one, only one, only, I mean, what do you do with that? Let me talk to you about the obedience needed. Let me make this plain. The principle of obedience to God's word is everywhere in the Bible. Have you got a troubled marriage? Let me tell you what you do. You go to the word of God. You say, what does God say about marriage? What does God say the husband should be? What does God say the wife should be? What does God say about how the husband and the wife are to treat each other and be with each other and live in marriage? What does the Bible say? Because that's the word of God. You see, we have the word of God. They had one sentence from Jesus, but we've got 66 books of instruction. And every one of those books is the word of God. All scripture, all scripture, every bit of it, even boring Leviticus is breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, instruction in righteousness, holy living. Every word in that Bible is breathed out from the nostrils of God. It is not like any other book in the world. It's the only book in the world that didn't come from the world. It came from another world. It came from heaven. And God moved on holy men of old who wrote as God moved on them to write. Are you having trouble with a prodigal child or with child rearing? The Bible tells you about child rearing. And I'm the first one to tell you, you need tons and boatloads of grace to raise children. Amen. Everybody say boatloads and then some. That's why we dedicate children because the parents are going to need it. But the only place to find wisdom and strength is from the word of God. I did the radio show to every man and answer Friday. I hosted it. We got a call from a man. And this man said, I feel like I've lost my faith. He said, I was in the service and I gave my heart to Christ and I got out of the service and I was going to church and a bunch of people prophesied this, that, and the other over me. And none of what they said has come to pass. And, and, and now I've had several setbacks and I just feel like I've lost my faith. He said, I'm being overwhelmed with thoughts of lust. I'm just telling you what he said on the air, the whole nation listening. 
He said, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with thoughts of lust and, and anger. And I don't know what to do because I'm feeling like I must not be saved. What do I do? Well, you don't have long on the radio for an hour long show, but here's what I said. You start with the word of God. Listen to me carefully. The law of the Lord is perfect. The word of God is perfect. Doing what? Restoring your soul. What is your soul? It's your mind and your will and your emotions. It's your thoughts. It's who you are on the inside. It's your personality. It's who we get to know when we get to know you. And what does it say? The law, the word of God is perfect, restoring what the devil did to you in all the years you were in sin. So I told him, get into the word of God, get into the word of God, saturate your mind in the word of God. Your mind needs to be renewed. And those thoughts, listen, you starve them out by feeding your spirit man. Two dogs are fighting on the inside of you. Which one is going to win? The one you feed the most. That's the one that's going to win. The flesh and the spirit are at battle. Paul says in Romans 7 and other places, there's a battle. But which one, which dog wins? The one you feed the most. You want to starve out the flesh. and You want to feed the inner man. And I'm telling you today that, that, that and I haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet. Lord, help me. I'm starting to preach elsewhere. But I'm telling you that the answer is, the, a lot of it is the word of God it's not that you're not saved, you called on Christ. It's that your mind needs to be renewed. Strongholds need to be brought down. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty. They're not worldly, fleshly, man-made, from man. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? It's what holds you strong. And you snap it by the power of the word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. sharper than a two-edged sword and it pierces into your soul and divides your soul from your spirit and bone from marrow and it reveals the thoughts and intents and hidden motivations of your heart and it cleanses you and washes you and builds you and renews you. I wouldn't be up here if not for the word of God. No, 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 no. Because when I came to Christ, I was a mess. All caps. And he renewed my mind. Now listen, here's the deal. We come to the crux of the story and I close. Only one came to give thanks. Jesus healed them from this horrible thing. And only one came to say thank you. Listen again. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he looked. Oh, my gosh, I'm healed. It's gone. The leprosy is gone. Normal skin. Maybe even his hair went from white to brown. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back. He turned back. He turned back. Instead of running straight to the priest, he turned back. He took time. He took time. As a matter of fact, he was willing to experience deferred gratification. To, to thank the Lord because what they all wanted to do was get to the priest and get the okay to go back into society and start their lives again. And only one turned back and deferred that gratification so he could thank God. Glorifying God with a loud voice, he fell on his face giving thanks to him and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, were there not 10 cleansed, but the, the nine, where are they? 
was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this non-Jew? Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. They were all healed of a terminal disease, every one of them. They were all given a new lease on life. But stunningly, stunningly, only one of them thought to thank the healer. You know what this tells us? We have to conclude this, that a thankful heart is a rare thing. The unbeliever takes all the blessings of God for granted. Didn't Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to be like your father in heaven because he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. Those that curse his name and blaspheme his name all day long, he makes the son of blessing arise on them. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. The unjust receive the rain, which is always a picture of blessing and goodness and providential care. He sends rain on the unjust. And do they ever stop? It doesn't even for a moment, not for a microsecond, does it ever enter their heart to look up and say, thank you, God. They don't even think to thank. They don't think to thank. They're not thankful at all. They take it in stride, take it for granted. All the blessings of God, they just take for granted. Their health, the money they make, the job they have, the, the tight spots that they are able to somehow get out of, usually by calling out on God who they don't give the time of day after they're delivered. That's, that's the unbelievers. But sadly, there's many in the church who testify to Jesus forgiving them of the leprosy of sin and of changing their life. But primarily, they're really not thankful people. I've been there. I'm not pointing a finger at all of you. This is to me too. They've not returned to the feet of Jesus. How many times have we not returned to the feet of Jesus to say thank you? I was, I was toast if you hadn't come through for me. Did we think to thank? Just, just stop. Like this man, he stopped and he turned around for the sole reason of thanking God. For instance, Jesus was eating once at a Pharisee's house. And the Bible says there was an immoral woman known for her immorality in the city. And when she found out that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. This woman, all the men knew her. And she brought this vial of highly expensive perfume. And the Bible says she began to pour it on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her tears and her hair. And those that were standing by were appalled, and I guarantee you Judas was chief among them because Judas would have taken that perfume and sold it and stolen that money too. And Jesus answered the ones who were appalled. And Jesus said, I tell you, her sins, and even Jesus said this, they are many. Her sins are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. 
if you've been forgiven much, you love much, and you thank much. Amen? I'll tell you, church, praise and thanksgiving is always on the lips of those who have been forgiven much and who well remember how good God has been. How many of you remember from whence you have come, the condition you were in, and all the sins he has forgiven you of? How many of you remember that? And how many of you can look up and say, thank you, Jesus? I'm going to close giving you a couple of good reasons to thank the Lord. Right out of Psalms 103. This is a list of what God does for his own. Listen to this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Can everybody say that with me? Praise the Lord, O my soul. Let's try it again. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And listen to the psalmist. And all of my inmost being, everything within me, praises holy name. Why? He says, forget not all his benefits. And then he lists them. He forgave all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the dark pit. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Thank God for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. Amen, amen, amen. Say with me, forgives, heals, redeems crowns, satisfies, renews, removes the sin. How can we not park right there and have a thanks session? Amen. Amen. If you understand what I just read, then you're a thanker. Forget not his benefits. Don't ever forget what he did, where you were, what he pulled you out of, what he saved you from, what he protected you from. All the times he has, he has held you in the palm of his nail-scarred hand. The last thing you read is, Jesus said your faith has saved you. But wait a minute. Because he didn't use the word healed. He used the word saved. Your faith has saved you. The Greek word is sozo, and it means to deliver out of danger and into safety. It is used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin. I submit to you that this man got both leprosies taken care of that day. First the physical, but when he came back and he fell down and he began to thank Jesus, something happened in here. And Jesus said, your faith, it didn't just cleanse you. No, that's not the word he uses. It healed you. It delivered you from the penalty and power of sin. You're saved. There went the leprosy of sin. Did the other nine get that leprosy handled? Don't know. Don't know. Maybe not. So look how he got blessed by being a thanker. Can we stand up together today?
Isn't God good? Can we lift our hands and thank the Lord Jesus? Thank the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you. We're just going to have a thank offering right now, Lord. We just thank you. We come into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. We bless your holy name. Thank you for delivering us from the pit. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us from the clutches of Satan. Thank you for de- delivering us from ourselves. Thank you for delivering us from, from all the habits that were destroying us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving us a future. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your strength, your guidance, your goodness. Thank you for all your benefits. Thank you, Lord. Come on, everybody. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. Thank you, Lord. 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 You know, it's amazing. God did something for me last week. And it was really an answer to prayer. I'm telling you, it was a direct answer to prayer. And that night, it occurred to me, I never stopped to thank him. So I stopped and I thanked him. You got to remind yourself, amen? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not for everything, but in everything give thanks. Amen. I could say so much more about Thanksgiving, but how many of you can say, I want to put on Thanksgiving this year like I've never put it on before? I'm just going to put it on. I'm going to thank God. Can you say with me, think to thank? I think those nine, those nine were disgraceful. That they didn't even turn around and thank, oh my, my whole life was saved. I just went about my being, my, my business. Didn't thank him. Even Jesus was shocked. Amen. So good to see all of you here today. And uh, I want to ask my prayers to come down. Would you? Prayers, come down. And as we close out the service, we want to pray with you. Because we have needs. And God hears prayer. Can you say with me, Jesus stood still. Jesus looked at them. He turned his attention to them when they cried out. He's the same today. He'll stand still. He'll look your way. And he'll say, what is it that you want? And he's doing it right now. Let's tell him. Amen. Let's tell him. God is good. Life groups are tonight. I want the life group leaders to come down life group leaders. Are any of them here? Yeah, they are. There's a, there's a few. Life groups, we're rebuilding them. They took a hit from COVID. Nobody wanted to go to somebody's house, come down here, uh, because nobody wanted people in their house because we didn't know what we were dealing with. So our life group ministry took a hit as, as well as the church. But I want you to look around. We're rebuilding. The folks are coming back. And, and where's the camera? Which one's hot? I don't see any light on any of them. This one. Where's the lights? Let there be light. All right. He doesn't even know. Okay. Wow. Door number one, door number two, or door number three. Here we go. If you're home, then we invite you to return to church. Listen, if you're going to Home Depot, if you're going to work, if you're going to parties, 
if you're having Thanksgiving dinner, if you're around people except in church, come on. We miss you. And we need your gift. We need your smile. And the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And all the more as you see the day of Jesus' return approaching, but encourage one another. We need your encouragement. So I encourage you to come encourage us. Amen. But let's pray over the life group. If you don't have a life group, you can find out which one you're in by going to the connect point right out here. And you will find out, give them your address and they'll give you the life group nearest you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life groups. As we meet together in homes and fellowship with one another, we pray that Lord, you will, you will forge relationships, fellowship. And Lord, we thank you that we'll forge relationships that last for years to come. We thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.